Uh, dear Cipher Care podcast listeners, uh, hello on our second episode. episode. Uh, today I am joined with Dr. Mitya Lustrecht from Institute Josef Stefan. Uh, Mitya, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so, Mitya, you are an experienced researcher. Uh, you finished your PhD in Computer and Information Science uh, from the University of Ljubljana, Faculty of Computer and Information Science. Uh, you have been involved in several international and national projects. Um, also, you are very well renowned in the academic area uh, with a lot of PhD students and other students. So you're also excellent in this aspect. Uh, you also have um, broad experience in academic service. You are a board member in several uh, scientific committees. Uh, and during your ongoing career, you received numerous awards. Uh, for example, the most contemporary one, first place at Sussex Huawei Locomotor, Locomotion Transportation Recognition Challenge 2019 and first place at Challenge UP 2019 Multimodal Fall Detection. Uh, if we move on to the opening question uh, that is very much related to your previous experience related to healthcare uh, and long-term care, Uh, could you maybe elaborate a bit more on your personal experience in the aforementioned topics? Uh, yeah, sure. So, I started working in this area, I think it was more than 10 years ago. Uh, our department got a research project called Confidence, uh, which was about monitoring seniors, detecting falls and unusual events, behaviors that could be related to some health problem. And ever since I worked in this area, uh, through various mostly international projects, so I'm not so familiar with the situation in Slovenia, more with the technology that can be used either in Slovenia or elsewhere. Uh, most of my experience is on developing intelligent computer methods that use sensor data to understand what's happening with the senior and this can then be used to either provide some kind of help to the senior himself or herself, uh, like, I don't know, uh, advice on healthy lifestyle, uh, some encouraging questions or comments, or it can be used to inform caregivers. Uh, and this, I think, can be an important way of making, well, making euros used for uh, social and healthcare go farther. Uh, thank you for this interesting insight. So um, now that you've been involved in the status quo analysis also uh, within the scope of the C4Care project, um, you have uh, maybe a bit more clear vision. Uh, in your opinion, are healthcare and long-term care needs uh, of the elderly in Slovenia adequately covered or do you maybe see Uh, any pressing issues, any gaps that are now evident from this specific field? Yeah, I think I think we do have a problem in Slovenia 
and and that is mostly related to to financing these technological solutions uh, i i know for sure that this is a big problem in telemedicine uh, telemedicine solutions are not covered by health insurance and so people can only use them as a paid service and in Slovenia as in many other countries people are sort of not used to paying for healthcare they expect it to be provided by the state and so telemedicine is not really attractive uh, these solutions for elderly care uh, these are I think a little bit more normal to be paid by people themselves and, and so sometimes relatives or seniors themselves will will decide to go for this uh, but also it's it's not very common uh, people still I think expect that the state provides and they don't really have to take their own initiative and ideally it would be that way. I mean, we are paying quite a lot of taxes, so ideally the state should provide. And, and so I think these technological aspects needs to be addressed better. As to other aspects of uh, senior care, telecare, I can't really say I'm not that much of an expert. Um, thank you for uh, the insight from your perspective. Um, during our collaboration so far, I think that it's fair to say that you're an integral part of project partner number two, Josef Stefan Institute. Uh, so, if you could, would you briefly present your institution, um, Josef Stefan Institute, Institute? Uh, and maybe if I can add to this question, if you can maybe elaborate a bit more what are especially the strengths of your institution related to this specific project that we are dealing with. Uh, integrated social and health care? Uh, yeah, so Josef Stefan Institute is uh, a large research institute, over a thousand staff. Uh, we do research in natural sciences and technology on, on many topics, uh, but artificial intelligence is actually a pretty big part of the institute. We have three departments working in this area. Uh, ours, the Department of Intelligent Systems, is, is one of them. Uh, but there are also colleagues from Computer Systems Department involved who work on other areas. Uh, but well, I'll focus on uh, the work of our department. Uh, so we have a, a lot of expertise on telehealth solutions telecare solutions as i mentioned earlier we've been working on this for over a decade and so uh, we can we can bring to seek for care project uh, insights into how this technology works uh, and we will also be contributing by piloting uh, several solutions of this type. Uh, one is a, a telehealth solution for heart failure, 
but there's also uh, a solution for rehabilitation and for improving nutrition of seniors. Uh, both of these supported by technology. Uh, so I would say this technological angle is definitely a strength of our institute, but also that we are scientists uh, and when we do things we do them in a scientifically rigorous manner as much as possible and I think that can also benefit the project even outside uh, these pilots that we propose to do. Uh, thank you for your very thoughtful remarks on this aspect. Uh, at least uh, from my field of work, so management and organization, we often uh, emphasize the importance of teamwork. Um, maybe as you come for a bit more diverse field, um, I would ask you if you agree that teamwork is really important uh, and maybe you can, um, as a formal or informal leader of project partner number two, explain uh, what was your reasoning uh, behind when you selected the team members that, that will be part of the C4Care project? Uh, yeah, so, uh, well, the first decision was actually which departments to involve. And this decision, well, actually arose from the interest of these people, basically, uh, my colleagues from computer systems department and I became aware of the C4Care proposal when it was still a proposal and so we expressed interest and were thus involved, uh, mainly because we have background in uh, working with seniors. Uh, then after the project started, uh, the people were selected uh, well, in part by the, their availability, because people here generally have their projects and they work on those, and those who are available could work on this one, uh, but also based on their familiarity with the technological solutions that we want to pilot here. Uh, because obviously someone who knows about these things can then more easily adapt them to the needs of C4Care and, uh, and run the pilots. Um, now uh, we are uh, basically a week after attending the meeting in Split. Um, do you see also something that is not just um, a positive aspect of the project? Do you maybe see any future challenges that are ahead on our road? Uh, and from, again, uh, the perspective of your organization, um, how satisfied are you up to this point with how the project is functioning, uh, with the activities that were already done, uh, are planned and so on? Uh, well, I think that this meeting we had was very helpful and it should have happened earlier, but everyone knows that <laughs> and it was COVID that uh, made it impossible uh, but yeah getting to know people uh, makes it very much easier to work with them and we are a bit 
well, we were a bit lost in this project, to be honest, <laughs> because uh, we are researchers of technology and this project is uh, a lot about policy and we are not so comfortable with that. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the project as such. It's fine, the, these kind of projects uh, are useful and I'm sure that C4Care will be useful as well, but finding our role in it was a bit challenging. Uh, it was, we, we have a very helpful uh, project manager from the University of Ljubljana. She helped us a lot, uh, kind of explained us what we need to do. Uh, but yeah, now after we, we spoke with partners in person, uh, after we uh, discussed the topics of the project with them at length, I think it will be easier. Nevertheless, uh, crafting policies is still not something we are very good at, so I think we will continue to have some difficulties here, but I think with the help of the consortium it will not be so hard. And, and running the pilots, of course, will also be a challenge. We are better at developing technology than interacting with people who use it. So, so yeah, I, I see challenges here as well. But I think that the project partners will help and we are also establishing some good contacts with organizations in Slovenia that could help us with that. Uh, thank you, Mitya. Um, I will move on. Um, in one of our posts on social media and on our website, uh, you mentioned that you are very happy to be part of the project uh, as you are able to put years of research and development efforts to the disposal of communities uh, in the Adrian region. Um, one important aspect related to this statement is, of course, the Hartmann app uh, for congestive health failure. Um, now is maybe the best opportunity for you to present to the wider audience uh, the Hartmann app in depth, if you wish. Uh, yeah, sure, I would be happy to. Uh, so, this application started in a Horizon 2020 project that I coordinated, so it's close to my heart always. Uh, so, congestive heart failure is actually, well, it's a pretty bad thing to have. Uh, it means that you can't really be physically active, uh, you have uh, problems with breathing, you have this swelling, edema, uh, and you're expected to die in five years. And there is not much that can be done really. Uh, the best you can do is to manage the disease, manage the symptoms. And considering that it usually happens to old people, many of them also suffer from depression, anxiety, which can actually be caused by heart failure because well, your outlook is rather gloomy once you get it. Uh, and a lot of them also have cognitive deficits since they tend to be in their 70s. Uh, now all this makes management of heart failure very difficult. Uh, management means that you have to do the right kind of exercise, that you have to eat the right diet, you have to measure some parameters 
regularly, you have to take medications, you have to refrain from smoking, from alcohol, and, and doing that when you're old and frail and maybe cognitively impaired is quite hard. Uh, so our application is helping people deal with all these things. It gives them the right advice at the right time and it also provides some mental support for them. Uh, it has some mindfulness exercises that uh, relax patients, make them more in touch with their bodies and it also in includes some elements of cognitive behavioral therapy uh, to make them more adherent to, to therapy. Uh, sounds really interesting. Um, hopefully we will also have the opportunity to see it uh, in more close relation within the C4Care project. Um, if I also focus a bit on your past, it is uh, heavily related to research and software development, uh, technological solutions, as you already mentioned during this podcast. Uh, as we mentioned in the beginning, you were engaged in numerous international and national projects. Um, your list of experience could go on and on. Um, maybe if I ask you, how do you think that this project is different from the existing ones that you were part in the past? Uh, you maybe uh, already mentioned one orientation that it is more related to policy making, but if you see any uh, other differences, maybe. Yeah, I would say this is pretty much the main one. Uh, and, and, and yeah, it's not only it is about policy, it's not about technological development. <laughs> Uh, so, basically, it's completely different from what we usually do. But uh, we, we got involved, nonetheless, uh, first to broaden our horizons a bit, uh, because the solutions that we make, if they are to be used, they have to fit into the policy context. Uh, you can make wonderful uh, telecare applications, but if your country is not supporting telecare, they are not going to see much use. Uh, now, I don't really expect that we will be making, I mean, we as Joseph Stefan Institute will be making a huge impact on, on policy, but we'll do our part and the project as a whole hopefully will make an impact and that will be helpful for us as well and we'll learn something from it uh, the other reason is that we want to keep Hartman alive uh, Hartman as I said was created in a horizon project but these projects always bring technological solutions up to a point and that point is not far enough it's not uh, it's not so far that the result can go directly to the users, to the market. And here we'll make some tweaks, uh, some simplifications, so that hopefully we'll end up with a solution that can be used by real patients with heart failure. And, and that, I think, will be a nice achievement uh, apart from the policy angle. Uh, maybe if I can continue in a similar way, 
Um, in your opinion, again, how do you see the importance of the C4Care project? Um, how we can uh, influence the well-being of our society uh, with the project? Uh, well, first, we will learn through the project a bit more about what the society needs and we'll learn about how policies in this area are crafted uh, and this way we'll build our capacity to influence policies uh, even after the project but of course more directly we'll create some policies uh, that will hopefully influence actual policy makers working now to be a little bit friendlier to these solutions that we are promoting and these solutions we believe are good for the society uh, they are technological but also non-technological ways of making care more cost-effective and more effective they improve the life of people and if we can convince policymakers of this I think uh, we'll be making a useful impact for the society thank you um, maybe again in a similar manner um, I would like to ask you for your perspective uh, which are in your opinion the most important outcomes that you would want us to achieve if we can be as specific as possible well uh, as a technological partner i'm obviously a bit biased i believe that technology is very important for health and for social care so if we can make policymakers more inclined towards uh, adopting technological solutions for this uh, I think that will be great um, you also mentioned uh, that this project is really um, focused towards making policy also gaining um, the important stakeholders from our communities from governance bodies on board um, if you would have to answer a question, what do you believe is the most important thing uh, when we are developing national policies or action plans and so on? Uh, I think it's paying attention to science. I mean, science is the best tool we have for figuring out how things are. What really helps, what doesn't help, and using this uh, as a basis for policy i think is crucial and it's not done enough i think but <laughs> i'm not a policy maker so maybe they are doing it more than i think um you're not a policy maker yet maybe one day uh, you can have the opportunity to change that well it's not inconceivable but I can't say I'm really drawn to policy <laughs> but yeah people change I mean our department had became politician 
even though he was scientist all his life so yeah maybe maybe i'll do it too never say never um maybe if we touch upon the aspect that at least in slovenia i think up until the very near past uh when you would mention care for the elderly you would typically mean care within institutions uh, now i think that also very slowly but yet still we are making progress uh, in the field of the so-called community care um, again maybe um, you are a very uh, so to say perfect guest to answer this because you maybe have a maybe broader perspective Uh, do you believe that in Slovenia now uh, community care is becoming a viable alternative to care in institutions or is it a lot of work that is still remaining? Hmm. I, well, I can't give a very good answer to this, to be honest. Uh, I think that the society more or less accepts that community care is desirable uh, but whether the organizational infrastructure is there uh, whether the required legislation is there I'm not sure there is probably still some way to go I think things are moving in the right direction but I can't really say how far they are. Um, now I think it's the appropriate moment that we move towards maybe a field that is uh, really close to your work. Uh, so telemedicine in a way, technological solutions. Uh, we already mentioned in the first podcast that the COVID-19 pandemic is responsible for quite some disruptive changes. Um, some will maybe be positive in the long term um, do you believe that this pandemic will also enhance the levels of uh, telemedicine telecare that are used in practice uh, maybe in the european context the adrian context and also uh, more specifically for slovenia i think so uh, again i i don't really know uh, enough about what is happening especially in Slovenia uh, but I see that people are accepting telecommunication uh, in medicine even at a very simple level where you speak to the doctor on the phone uh, this is becoming quite normal and uh, teleconferencing with video which is the next step is also becoming very normal everyone is doing this in in all contexts uh, and i'm pretty sure covid will contribute to this being accepted in medicine now the kind of telemedicine where you have uh, some sensors on people in their apartments where you transmit the data from home uh, to the hospital that well it's also held by covid but i think not so much because to set this up it takes much more effort you can't just open up zoom and talk to a person 
you need the technology, the infrastructure, the knowledge. And so there were not such dramatic steps made during COVID in this direction. Uh, but I think the need was detected. So people saw that things would be much better during COVID if we had this. So it will also help. Um, if I can also ask you, um, if tomorrow you wake up, you have a million dollar idea, um, how would you imagine the future development of telemedicine will look like? Hmm. Well, I think that uh, the sensing is making uh, a lot of progress. Uh, and transmitting information about a patient to the hospital or wherever will become very, very easy, very painless for the patient uh, because this is a barrier so far. Either you have to put something on your body which is uncomfortable or you have to make some measurements explicitly which you can forget or don't want to be bothered. Uh, so lightweight, uh, efficient sensors that can measure things either remotely without bothering the patient or by being on the body without bothering the patient are one important area where things will improve. The other important area is the interpretation of the data that gets sent. Uh, so if telemedicine makes more work for the doctor by giving him more information that he has to go through, that's actually bad and the doctors will resist that kind of telemedicine. But if artificial intelligence can interpret the data and present just the most crucial information to, to doctors, then it becomes helpful for everyone and that's actually the area where I would like to work more. Uh, in one of our previous encounters you also mentioned that telemedicine is the way to go in the future. Uh, do you believe that this is a necessary tool for a successful functioning of an integrated healthcare and social system of the future? Well, I mean, the system could function without it, yes, we the question is what is successful really. Uh, I think that telemedicine can make uh, integrated care more effective, so it can give more to patients at a smaller cost and if we have this tool at our disposal I think we must use it and in that sense I think a successful system will have it. It doesn't help all patients, it doesn't help with all diseases, but it definitely helps with some. So, so yeah, we have to use it and we have to learn how to make it even more helpful, obviously. Um, if we move on to maybe another uh, broader topic, so I would label it as age stereotypes. Uh, we often talk that there should be coexistence and good relationships between the younger and the older generation. Obviously, here in C4Care, uh, the emphasis is on the older generation. Uh, but from your perspective, again, do you believe that the, these relationships in Slovenia are currently good? Um, and how would you maybe build on them in the future so that they become even better? Um, 
maybe a comment or so. This is this is actually a big question and uh, a difficult one to tackle. So I think a key problem of the modern world is that it's very complex and it's changing very quickly. Uh, and so the knowledge that older people have a lot of it becomes obsolete it used to be that old people were considered wise because they learned a lot through their lives they knew everything and they could share their wisdom with younger people but nowadays a lot of this wisdom doesn't really apply to the situation of, of young people uh, and to some degree this is actually unavoidable. I mean, we will not slow down the progress. This will continue happening. Uh, but I think it can be tackled in, in various ways. One is for old people to continue being active, continue learning things, continue to be in, more in touch with the world. Uh, and I think this can be achieved by encouraging them to, to do stuff. Uh, to, to, not, uh, to not be closed in a nursing home or something like that, but to stay in the world and to be involved in various activities <coughs> that keep them in touch with the society uh, and so they are well to put it blindly more interesting for younger people uh, because yeah younger people I don't they, they I think they want to be engaged with with seniors it's not that they want them to go away uh, they are their relatives they they love them uh, but uh, they also need some interesting stuff to do together to talk about and I know from personal experience that when a person becomes old goes to a nursing home their life isn't that exciting anymore and then so it's more difficult to be engaged with them uh, so, so yeah, this community care, I think, is also an important aspect. Uh, it kind of forces people to, to be more involved with the society and it makes them also more interaction with their younger relatives is, is more natural then. So I think this also should be promoted. Uh, thank you for your interesting insight. Uh, then if we move uh, to the relationship between public and private healthcare, um, in Slovenia, at least up to today, the focus is still primarily on uh, our citizens receiving public healthcare and long-term care services. Uh, if we take a closer look into the future, uh, could you imagine or is it realistic that there will be a partial transition towards more private services uh, in Slovenia? I, I think so, and I mean, I, I like 
public healthcare, public social care very much. I, I think it's it's the right way to do it. I'm definitely not for the approach that some countries like USA take, where a lot of things are, are private. Uh, but uh, I think that there is a lot of room for innovation in, in, in this area and there is a lot of possibility to create new interesting services and products for people and probably not all of this can be funded through, uh, through public healthcare, social care. Uh, some of the things I think is fine that they are private and uh, people can choose them or not choose them or choose whatever options out of many they like best. I mean, that's how free market works and free market has done good things for, for the society. Uh, but I think also people need to change their thinking about this a little bit. Uh, so. As I mentioned earlier, in Slovenia, we are used to getting all these services from the government for free, essentially. And while we should get basic services for free, I think we should also accept that if we want something nice that's related to our health or our ability to live on our own as senior citizens, we should pay for it, like we pay for other good things in life. Uh, because health is actually an extremely important thing, but people are willing to pay more for a good meal or a new TV than they are for health, and that's probably not really appropriate, because health is more important than TV. <laughs> An interesting insight again. Um, now we are coming towards the end of our podcast. Uh, I'm sure that people listening would also like to hear something about Mitya when you're not working. Uh, so maybe could you tell us something that you like to do in your free time? Maybe some of your hobbies? Well, I have some pretty geeky hobbies, I would say. Uh, I. I like to play Dungeons and Dragons, I like to play Magic the Gathering, uh, things that I think go very well together with me being a computer engineer. Uh, I also like to travel and that goes nicely together with me working on an international project, uh, which is usually conductive to, to traveling, although it hasn't been that way lately. Uh, I also, I'm also interested in, uh, in longevity and healthy life uh, as a hobby. So I, I read a lot on this topic. I, I take some, uh, some uh, supplements that will hopefully extend my healthy life. Uh, I like to monitor myself, I'll do nutritional experiments from time to time, but I also like to cook, so I don't eat just healthy food, I also like to eat good food and I dare say I make good food. <laughs> 
Um, sounds like an invitation. Um, could you maybe recommend us some interesting books or TV shows also that you maybe found in the last couple of weeks, months? Well, I think that as to my geek side, uh, Expanse is a very good TV show. I enjoy it a lot. It's uh, kind of realistic science fiction both from a technological perspective and from sociological perspective. I think it paints an interesting picture of the society of the future. Uh, as to books, hmm, I don't know. I mentioned my interest in longevity, so I think Ending Aging is the book to start there. Uh, it's it's a few years old now so it's not entirely up to date but i think it describes a very good approach to how we should end aging uh, even though if it achieves its goals we won't need see for care anymore <laughs> thank you uh, my uh, penultimate question would be um, up to now what would you say is I don't know one to three key takeaways uh, for our listeners regarding the C4 care project huh actually I'm not sure what you mean by key takeaways of C4 care projects um, basically I mean um, something that you would emphasize to everyone that would hear for the first time about our project mm, okay uh, I see. what is the I don't know most important thing that you have heard or learned or did up until today uh, within the scope of our project uh, well so far our project hasn't really done that much it, it has studied what it needs to do and of course that's very important first step but it's not it's not so exciting uh, to to talk about for me it's been this realization that telecare is there and it's good and there is actually a lot of it but getting it to the people is the hard part uh, and it's what C4Care is, is aiming to do. It's not going to make new telecare. It's going to help make existing one get to the people. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that would be it as, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think you did an excellent job with providing us with the takeaway. Uh, just as a concluding thought, um, do you have maybe any positive words uh, for our network? Uh, so that the project can continue to work hard uh, towards the same lighthouse at the end? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, as, I, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, now that we are getting to know each other a little bit better uh, and now that we are learning more about what each partner is, is proposing to do in, in the sense of pilots uh, I think 
this gives me uh, hope that we will actually do some uh, really great pilots and if we do really great pilots I think this will inspire us to to also craft good policies so I think we should go out and do these pilots but uh, keep in mind these policy angles all the time always think about how what we are doing right now could be helpful to uh, how, how it could be translated to policies what we can tell policymakers about this so that they will actually listen and and do something um, Mitya thank you very much uh, for your time and knowledge that you shared with us uh, so, dear C4Care listeners, today with us was uh, Dr. Mitya Lustrek uh, from Jozef Stefan Institute. Thank you again. Thank you from my side as well.